Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to Genesis 15 and reading for our text verses 24 and 25. But it is just the words, God will surely visit you, that is upon my spirit. You'll read the both verses and you'll find in both of the verses those words, God will surely visit you. Verse 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. We read in this last chapter, a covering over no doubt many, many years, but Joseph had not forgotten what had been told him from his fathers Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And here he is reminding his children and the generations to come of what God had promised them and putting them in remembrance of, of it in a very, you might say, a unique way. Because with Jacob, they brought him back to Canaan and he was buried there. But with Joseph, and he must have been for some perhaps 150 years, maybe not that long, that they had his coffin with them and a reminder that one day they would be brought out of Egypt. And Joseph is speaking of this in these terms, God will surely visit you. Now, it might seem a strange way of setting something forth when it's in reference to God. If you were to say of a person, and we can only be in one place at one time, but if we said to someone that was going away and going to uh, live in another place and we said that we are surely going to visit you. So what that would mean, we would literally travel and go and see that person. And there'd be a distinct time that we were with them, we saw them, we spoke to them and we, our presence would be with them, we'd be visiting them. And then we'd go away and that visit would end. But with God, God is everywhere. He's present everywhere. And yet still in the word of God, it speaks about God visiting his people. So there's something different than his presence with them. We know with the promise of two or three gathered together in his name, there am I in the midst. He is there. 
but it's not in the words spoken of as the same way as visiting. And what it's joined with is that God is doing something. He's going to bring something about. He's going to accomplish something. And that's what's spoken of as a visit from the Lord. And it doesn't happen all the time. There are times that, as it were, the Lord is not visiting in that way. But there are times that he is. And it's good for us to, to remember that. Those two things. One, that the Lord is everywhere. He is in our assembly this evening. But when he visits, it is in a special way to bless and to do something, putting his power forth. And in this case, what Joseph is speaking about is to bring them up out of Egypt. Well, I want to look firstly at these dying words of Joseph and that they were fulfilled. And then secondly, the coming of our Lord as also a visitation from God and then the Lord visiting his people in a gospel way today. In one sense we have been singing about it in the hymns. But firstly Joseph's dying words and he took a promise or took an oath of the children of Israel made them promise that they would do this God will surely visit you and you shall carry out my bones from hence the faith that dear Joseph had the certainty that he knew and remember this is being spoken of by the one by whose means they had come into Egypt. Sometimes it can be a great difficulty with people if someone, their father or grandfather, has said, do this, or say if they have moved us into a particular place and we're living in that place, and then that person dies, and the other generations, they see by providence and they feel it's the right thing to move. Someone objects and they says, yes, but our father or grandfather moved us here. I don't want to move from this place because they brought us here. And sometimes we have it where maybe a pastor has been over a people, he's died and then years later, the church is trying to make decisions and, oh no, no, Mr. Salto would have done this and we mustn't go against his word. And that poor man's been dead for 40 years, but still he's having a say in the church when the circumstances are very different altogether. And yet here, Joseph is making really sure that the generations after know that the person who God used to bring them into Egypt is speaking about and surely telling them they will go out of Egypt. 
And that alone is worth a lot to that people. A great assurance that it was the Lord's will what they would do. Why, he gives them to know that it was the word of the Lord to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Indeed it was. Abraham had been told, and even before Isaac was born, that his seed would be a stranger in a strange land. They shall afflict them 400 years, and in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. So he had been told that, and no doubt passed it on to those succeeding generations. So did it come to pass? Of course, we follow then to the next book from Genesis, which is named Exodus. They're coming out, exiting that land. And we need to wait until we get to the 13th chapter and we read of them coming out. But a lot happened before they were brought out. Moses was born. Moses trained up in Pharaoh's household and then in the desert and the afflictions that God had spoken about to Abraham, they came to pass. And then when the time drew nigh, the nine great plagues that Egypt knew before the Passover was observed and they were brought out with a strong hand. Well, in Exodus 13 and verse 19, we read of them coming out and God leading the people through the way of the wilderness by the Red Sea, went up harness out of the land of Egypt. <clears throat> then we read this in verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And of course those in this generation carrying his bones away in the coffin that we'd been put into, they wouldn't have been those that had heard Joseph saying this. Very doubtful that there had been those that were living that long that lived at that time. But again, that had been passed down. The promise was just as effectual. The word was just as sure. The promise that they had promised Joseph was carried on from one generation to another generation when it was to be brought about and it came to pass. So this then was what Joseph refers to as God visiting them. God hearing their cries in Egypt. God sending to deliver them and to save them. The picture of the children of Israel being set free from Egypt is spoken of as the Lord visiting his people. In a spiritual way, it is like the Lord visiting his people 
and separating them from the Egypt of this world, from the things of this world, and bring them to be a people for himself and to serve him and to receive his laws and to walk in his ways. Truly it is the Lord's visit upon a people to pass by them when they are in their blood and bid them live, to quicken them into life, to cause that they are born again of his spirit, to be blessed with his grace, to begin a good work in them, is a visit from the Lord. It is a distinctive work of God. It is God's work to give that eternal life. It is God's work to quicken and to separate from this world. Come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Ye shall be my sons and my daughters. Now, this was not the only time that the children of Israel had been told that God would visit them. Later, when they were in the promised land, then they went into many paths of sin and wickedness. God warned them through his prophets that he will visit them for their transgressions. In Jeremiah 23, we read, Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. <clears throat> we have a picture of the Lord looking at the evil doings of Israel, and really, not just once, but many times, he warned them over many generations that their ways were sinful and that he would punish them, that he would send them out of that land, that he would bring them into Babylon and that he would accomplish 70 years in Babylon. And in due time, the Lord did visit upon the children of Israel what he said he would do. So in that, time, that sense, the Lord visiting them was in destroying the temple, uh, breaking down the walls of Jerusalem and bringing them into captivity. And it was chastisement for their sins. Then even when they were in Babylonish captivity, then we have another word as well in uh, Jeremiah uh, promising that the Lord would visit in another way in bringing them up out and he says at the end of chapter 27 they shall be carried to Babylon and there shall they be until the day that I visit them saith the Lord then will I bring them up and restore them to this place he had told that there was a set time you read of Daniel, understanding by books that the time was nearing to come about and he set himself to prayer and supplication. There is a set time to favour Zion. There's a time to be chastened. There's a time to have that chastening hand removed. There's a time to kill and a time to make alive. Those times are when the Lord visits, visits his people. So the children of Israel knew not only the visit of God to bring them out of Egypt to form them into a nation, 
but also to bring them out of Babylon again to restore them until the time that our Lord and Saviour came. <clears throat> so we have then the Lord visiting his people in the leader to the coming of our Lord. So I want to look then in the second place, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel according to Luke, one of the two Gospels that speaks of the Lord's coming, there's many references to the Lord visiting his people. In the uh, first uh, chapter, verse 68, we uh, read of Zacharias, the father of John Baptist, and he's saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. And so he is realising that the Messiah that had been promised, the seed of the woman to bruise the serpent's head, had been spoken of right from the beginning of the world. And here he is saying now that John Baptist has been born and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that this is the time after all those years, from the beginning of the world, 4,000 years, now the Lord is visiting his people and he's sending uh, forth his son. And so we uh, read also, he adds at the end of, end of that uh, praise of God, he says, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, or the sun rising from on high, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The coming of our Lord for that purpose and in that way. And then later on in chapter uh, 7 and verse 16, we uh, read when the Lord was working miracles and raising from the dead uh, the the widow of Nain's son, uh, then there was fear on all. They glorified God, saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people. And they're recognising that the Lord is doing great things then, that he is visiting his people like he had in the time past. And they're speaking of this. The Lord's coming was indeed a great visitation, that which had been the hopes and fears of all the years, the expectation of the people of God that the Lord would come. And yet the Lord reproved his own people because they knew not the day of their visitation. Many, the chief rulers, the religious rulers, 
they did not recognise the day that the Lord had visited them. What a warning that is to us. You think of such a great fulfilling of Scripture, a great visitation from God, that which even the people recognised as they saw his miracles, and yet the religious leaders of the day, they knew not the day of their visitation. They didn't realise that this was what had been foretold. They were looking for another, some still looking for another. So the coming of our Lord was that great visitation. In the Psalms there is a beautiful psalm that speaks and is a prayer. Many of the Psalms are prayers <clears throat> looking forward to the coming of our Lord. In Psalm 80 uh, we have a prayer return. We beseech thee, O God of hosts, look down from heaven, behold and visit this vine. And the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted, and the branch that thou madest strong for thyself, is speaking of Israel. It's speaking of the people of God that God had made strong to bring forth his beloved Son through that nation. There's a beautiful prayer in the 17th verse of that Psalm 80. Let thy hand be upon the man at thy right hand, upon the Son of Man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. And of course that man at God's right hand is the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we have sinned and we have merited the wrath of God, it's a very bold plea to plea that God would punish his beloved son instead of us. Let thy hand be upon the man at thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. But then I want to speak of the Lord visiting his people in a gospel day. We sung in our second hymn of Pentecost, and that day which the Lord had said that they had to tarry at Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. The Pentecost, 50 days after our Lord was crucified, going back to the types, it's 50 days after the Passover when they were brought out of Egypt, 50 days brought them to Mount Sinai. And that is when the law was given, that here is when the Holy Spirit is given. We have the two uh, covenants, the covenant of the law, the broken law but restored law in Christ, and we have the giving of the Holy Spirit, the power of God unto salvation. And from the time that our Lord was crucified, rose again, ascended into heaven, that was 40 days, and uh, then ten, ten days later, that day of Pentecost. And it is, again, a visitation from the Lord. In the New Testament, that is recognised as so, and it's also spoken of when, uh, ten years later, Peter was called to go to the Gentiles. And when he was held to account, then uh, Peter rehearsed to them what had been done. And they were able to speak of those things that had been 
done amongst the uh, Gentiles. We read in Acts 15, uh, Simeon, or Simon, Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. And he speaks of the Gentiles, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles, on whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Now there's a distinctive time. Pentecost was, and the Gentiles, a time chosen and appointed by God. You have the angel appearing to Cornelius, and then the vision given to Peter, making him willing to go, and the Holy Spirit falling upon the Gentiles and blessing them in the same way as he did to the Jews. And so in a gospel day, those two times, so vital in the preaching of the gospel, so vital in the spreading forth of the word of God, is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the visiting of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so that then uh, is what was needed before they preached and before the word was effectual. Paul says to the Thessalonians that they, the word came not unto them in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And that is what we expect and long for and pray for under the preaching of the word. As we said before, God is present in the assemblies of the saints. But there are those special times when he visits his people and when he blesses them. In Psalm 106 we have a beautiful prayer, O visit me with thy salvation. And it is those visits of the Lord that bring the blessings that he has promised. Those times that the word is effectual to the promised end. My word shall not return unto me void, it shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. And it is good to remember this. God is always first in salvation. We are not to be fatalistic if we truly know the worth of our souls, if we know that we are under the law and therefore are under condemnation, it will cause us great concern to continue to go on without a visit from the Lord, without his blessing, without faith, without a new heart, without the new birth. And that must then cause us that concern to pray that the Lord would do it. Like with Daniel, that he set himself to pray that the Lord would deliver them, deliver them out of Babylonish captivity. And if we are at all mindful of the state and condition that we are in, then our prayer should be, O visit me with thy salvation, that there might come a time that instead of passing us by and blessing another and favouring another, that it might be us. Many of us have 
A witness those that have been converted, those in our assemblies, whether here or at Lamberhurst or at other causes of truth. We've known people and the Lord has worked a change in their hearts. He may have heard from their lips what has happened and how he has blessed them, how he's brought them into concern, how he's brought them to desire to walk in his ways, how they have done and numbered amongst the professed church of God. And to have that desire, Lord, visit me with thy salvation. Visit me with that same power. And we spoke this morning of the uh, path and the way that the Lord has ordained for his people to pray. It's not just to pray, but it is ask and seek and knock. It is those that in all that they do, they're bearing that uh, witness and God sees it that that desire of that soul is that they might truly be blessed. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, says Jabez. And one of the hymn writers says, May all my prayer and praise suggest come and dwell within my breast. But that said, is a good thing for us to remember, especially when we get faint or discouraged, or perhaps tempted and, and feel, well, actually, it is because we are not seeking right, we are not praying right, and perhaps the devil will send you like Bunyan portrays his pilgrim was sent to Sinai and see if he could get some relief there. And Bunyan, he does really emphasise this, that what his pilgrim felt was a burden upon his back, the sin that he had. And he was willing really to try anything to get rid of it, to get free of it, and even to follow with false teachers and be sent back to the Lord. But the Lord hedged him about, so he's brought at last to the cross. And we need the Lord to visit our souls. There is a set time to favour Zion. And he has said that set time is come. And many, many of us, and really it should be all in the Church of God, can point to those times when the Lord has visited our souls. And those times of blessing, times when... He has softened our hearts, time when he has drawn us to himself, times when he's made the word very exceedingly precious unto you which believe he is precious. And those times we felt we had loved to the brethren and we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And again, that is not something that so we may say we love the brethren and do love them in those times when that love is shed abroad in our hearts the same as to God it can be uh, to the brethren as well well remember that time returning from a prayer meeting at Clifton years ago on the M1 and it came over me oh how I love the brethren and it's so Lord so soften my heart shed buckets of tears trying to drive through them down the M1 
and we've just been meeting with many of the ministers of our denomination there in prayer. And it's a lovely thing to have that suddenly come over you, suddenly feel that love to the Lord's people. And it, it, it doesn't abide in that way, it doesn't remain, but you never forget it. <clears throat> and there are those times that you can say, these blessings, these softenings, these drawings, these times that are remembered, they are visits from the Lord. I sometimes think of what was said of Samson, that the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. And many of the Lord's people know those little visits from the Lord, moving at times, a little softening, a little drawing, a little help in prayer, a little rising up of hope. And then it all goes and it dies down. And they wonder, well, was that really the Lord's working or was it not? And why has it all come to nothing? But when we look upon it as the Lord's visits, that then is very encouraging. And when we think of how it was with Samson, when we think of how it is in Isaiah, how he shall teach them line upon line, here a little and there a little. And one thing that's taught in that is our utter inability to move our own hearts, to soften our own hearts, to draw ourselves. We need the Lord's power. We need him to work in us. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that worketh in you to will and to do. It is the power of God that we so need. We feel our own hard, lumpy, dry heart. But to know that the Lord does visit his people. Remember with those in Egypt, he saw their groaning and he saw their tears and their burdens and their taskmasters. And you might feel the same. Lord, dost thou not see what goes on in my heart and the struggles and the trials and the wrestlings and the fears and the doubts and not knowing which way to go. And yet when it's set before us in the words of our text, and may the Lord apply it and make it a, a word of real hope. God will surely visit you. It is a blessed word, and whether individually or as a church and people, if God speaks this in your heart, remember what Joseph said, it came to pass. God will surely visit you. And actually when he spoke that to them, they were not yet feeling in bondage. They were not yet struggling. They were not labouring. They were not yet under the heavy yoke of Egypt, that soon they would be. And then that word would be more and more precious to them. God will surely visit you. It is those in trial, distress and trouble of soul and needing the Lord to appear that will value this word. And you know, when the Lord began to deliver the children of Israel, after nine signs and Israel and Egypt brought down to nothing, they must have thought, what must be done to make Pharaoh let us go? However can it be done? 
that God knew how it would be done. You might be thinking that, however can my soul be saved? However can I be changed? However can I have something different than what I am? But the Lord knows how to bless. He knows how to visit his people and when to visit them. So I leave the word with you, dear friends, as a way, as an encouragement, and I trust a word from the Lord. God will surely visit you. Amen.